ReachMD XM157 presents a special series, Insights in Future Medicine. Every 15 seconds, someone in the United States suffers a traumatic brain injury. Yet, we have no clinically effective acute stage treatment available. Enter the PROTECT trial. Welcome to our special series on future medicine. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Dr. Donald Stein. Dr. Stein is a neuroscientist and the Asa G. Candler Professor of Emergency Medicine at Emory University. Before returning to full-time research and training, he served in a variety of administrative positions, including the Dean of Graduate School of Arts and Sciences, Vice Provost for Graduate Studies, and Vice President for Research at Emory. Dr. Stein's research has long focused upon examining the processes underlying recovery of function after traumatic injury to the brain. Welcome to ReachMD. Thanks a lot. I'm delighted to be here, Leslie. Well, thank you. Uh, Dr. Stein, tell us about this PROTECT trial. Okay. The PROTECT trial basically derives from all of the research that uh, we developed in the laboratory that led to a successful application to the National Institutes of Neurological Disorders and Stroke to support a small-scale, single-center, phase two, double-blind, randomized control trial for uh, testing progesterone in moderate to severely brain-injured patients. And that was funded by the NIH after we developed a plan to do so and led to the enrollment of 100 patients in the trial. And those patients were basically in a a four-to-one schedule where uh, we had four times as many patients receiving progesterone as those in the control group. Now, what did the control group get? Everybody got state-of-the-art treatment that a level one trauma center such as uh, Grady Memorial Hospital in Atlanta could provide. So no one was being denied state-of-the-art treatment. The only difference was is that the experimental group getting the progesterone got the progesterone beginning within uh, six to eight hours after they were enrolled in the, in the trial. And a lot of that time, that delay occurred because of the need to get uh, proxy consent from families or significant others. So they were enrolled in the trial and... um, Which I imagine, excuse me for interrupting, is no small feat to get consent for this. That's an interesting story in its own right. And doctors David Wright and Art Kellerman, who spearheaded that trial, actually, uh, they're uh, emergency medicine physicians, spent about six months prior to actually enrolling anyone out in the uh, Atlanta community and in in the state of Georgia, meeting with community groups, religious groups, religious and business leaders to convince them that this trial was safe, that it was likely to be effective, and that the use of progesterone, which is normally thought of, as you well know, as primarily a female hormone, was not something to be concerned about insofar as this particular treatment was concerned. A lot of people mistakenly believe that progesterone is just a female hormone. It happens to be synthesized in males as well, and that's a very important point to keep in mind. It's not made in the same amounts in in males as it is in females, to be sure, but it is synthesized in the male, and more importantly, in the brain, the distribution of progesterone receptors and the synthesis of progesterone in the brain is about equal in males and females. But yeah, I would think getting consent, especially I'm assuming this is a fairly young group of patients that are coming in a traumatic brain injury, and I'm assuming, again, that mostly males, that it, it might be tough to convince the family of a young kind of macho male to give them what we think of as a female hormone. Well, you know, that certainly was a concern of everybody engaged in the community outreach effort. But from what I gather, it turns out it, it didn't prove to be as big a problem 
as might have anticipated. Very few people, only a very, very small number of those that were eligible, that met all the criteria for enrollment. I think only two or three families actually decided not to have their loved ones enrolled in the experiment, in the trial, I should say. So it was only a very small number, actually. Doing their homework really paid off. I think it was, a, it was a great effort and shows how these types of things can be done when you have the kinds of uh, people like Wright and Kellerman who are willing to invest so much time to do that co- community outreach before the trial was done. I think it really helped to ensure the success of the, of the entire uh, project. Now tell us about the dose of progesterone used in this trial. Well, the dose was about, put it into simple terms, was about three times the level of what a pregnant female would have. So pretty huge dose then. It's a large dose, but remember, uh, it's given only for three days uh, after an injury. And most of the patients, what are called Glasgow Coma scores, that um, really indicated that they were in, in the severely brain-injured group. So these were patients who were very, very ill. And even at the relatively high doses that they were given, what the important thing to note here was that the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, who funded this project, picked uh, their own data safety monitoring board. Emory University physicians uh, had a board at the hospital and at the university, but in addition to that, the NIH selected its own DSMB, who reviewed all of the data before and, and completely blinded us to it. So everything that they were reviewing was seen well before we could see it, and they were reviewing it specifically for safety and to make sure that there were no serious adverse events. We would have been happy to learn with a phase two study like this that the hormone was just safe. And what they found was that there wasn't a single adverse event attributable to the treatment in any of the patients that got the hormone. No adverse events attributable to this high-dose progesterone infusion? That's what we were told, and that was, again, uh, independently confirmed by a separate DSMB. So there were adverse events because many of these people were severely, severely brain injury, but none that could be attributed to progesterone treatment itself. There were there was some something like 16 people reviewing all these data, I mm. should tell you. Mm. Wow. And how many patients again? We had 100 patients in this trial. Okay, so three-quarters of them got actual progesterone yes. as opposed to placebo. And the reason for that was that Emory enrolls literally hundreds of patients a year uh, that are uh, head injury victims. It's a big problem down in this part of the world. If you've ever been on 85 or 75, you'd, mm-hmm. you'd know that. But the historical data was so substantial that the DSMB, the, the members of that group, felt it would be better used to have this type of ratio than uh, equal balances because of the very large numbers and the historical data that could be provided to patients getting state-of-the-art treatment, and they're all getting intravenous drips in in any case. It was felt that this would be a better utilization uh, design. So were, in fact, most of these patients injured in car crashes? The vast majority of the patients, I think over 75%, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have that figure in front of me, but I believe it was over 75% of the victims were from automobile accidents, yes. Okay. So the safety was quite impressive. What about the results? Well, the results were very dramatic, I have to say. I mean, for me, at least, the person who spent so much time thinking about this issue, we found, first of all, that we looked at at, uh, outcomes at at 30-day survival. And what we found was that the patients given progesterone had over a 50% reduction in mortality. The mortality rates normally uh, for patients who are severely brain damaged runs from about 28 to 34%. At Emory, it was about 31%. Compared to the patients, uh, those were the patients in the, in the control group, the patients given progesterone had a mortality rate of something like 13.6%. So it was a dramatic difference. When the neurosurgeons just looked at those patients who died due to just specifically injuries that were, could be considered neurological, 
the mortality rate was almost 22% in the controls and 6.7% in the patients given progesterone. And not only did they show much better um, outcomes for mortality, but at 30 days when they were given a disability rating scale test, which consists of some five different neuropsychological tests, the patients in the progesterone and the moderate group, those that were, that were still that were able to be tested at 30 days, had a much better outcome than uh, the patients in the in the placebo control group. So we, we saw not only uh, reductions in mortality, but also improvement in functional abilities. Let's just underline that again. It, that is a huge finding. So double the chance that they would survive. Yes. But remember that this is a single-center study. We've got to keep that into uh, consideration. And that's why the NIH gave us subsequently funding for a planning a multi-center trial. Ah, so when does that start? Well, that's the big question. We just got the grant in uh, to go forward with the multi-center trial, and the big issue is whether, you know, we won't hear probably for another nine months. That's how the NIH works. It takes about six to nine months before you know whether you're going to get a priority score that's fundable. We have no idea even whether the study section that's picked to review the grant will even approve it for funding, which means another rewriting, which could delay it another nine months if it doesn't get funded. So it's hard to know, in all honesty. But meanwhile, thinking of uh, the emergency rooms out there treating this condition every hour of every day, we don't have anything else that even approaches this kind of efficacy. This is true. And, you know, uh, there, there hasn't been anything in the past 40 years that's been successful for the treatment of traumatic brain injury. And, you know, as a basic scientist myself, obviously it's, it's very frustrating personally to watch how long it takes to get this through, you know, I'd like to see people helped, especially, you know, when you think about the fact that not only do we have so many people with head injury and stroke in this country, which is where we'd like to go next, but traumatic brain injury is a signature injury of the war in Iraq. And we're seeing that of the surviving combat casualties, according to the uh, statistics provided by the Army itself, about 30% of the surviving combat casualties have, are coming out with very severe head injuries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'd like to see that treatment provided in far forward field conditions as well. But, you know, getting it through the, the process, just, you, just this is the way it works and you just have to live with it. Right. Now, are the uh, pharmaceutical companies interested in this at all? So far, we haven't seen much interest in big pharma being involved in any of this, partly because the, the issues of, since it's a natural hormone that we're working with, it's very cheap, and it's not protected by strong intellectual property protection. So uh, most of the time, uh, pharmaceutical companies want to invest their resources in agents in which they have a lot of uh, intellectual property control. And in this case, we haven't seen much interest or support from the pharmaceutical industry because um, progesterone as a natural agent doesn't have that kind of intellectual property control. Hmm. Can't be protected as well. Can't they tweak it and make it long-acting or something? Well, you know, one of the things, it's not just a question of long-acting, and obviously tweaking can be done, and this is something that my colleagues here and I remember, I'm a basic scientist, and we're working actively on finding ways to make it more effective and make it more long-lasting and make it more durable so that it can be used like an EpiPen. Mm. Uh, That isn't available just yet, but those are the kinds of things that we're thinking about. And I'm sure that, you know, this publicity from this work may generate some of that interest, but that's down the road a bit. And, you know, one of the nice things about working with the NIH, when you get the funding, you, you have a lot of opportunity to go off in directions that you propose and with fewer restraints on uh, concerning intellectual property and what can be disclosed and how, how you can enter into collaboration. So there are advantages to the NIH funding if you're lucky enough to get it. And there are advantages to working with the pharmaceutical company, companies because they have 
substantial amounts of resources that if they wanted to put into something like this, they could invest in and could make things happen much, much more quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's a trade-off, in mm-hmm. all honesty. I'd like to thank our guest today, Dr. Donald Stein. We have been discussing the remarkable efficacy of progesterone in acute traumatic brain injury. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to a special series on the future of medicine on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to a special series, Insights in Future Medicine on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals.